Welcome back to the Foul Trouble Podcast. Patrick and I are doing the three things that have intrigued us, that have fascinated us so far this NBA season. We're going over our NBA stock portfolios that we do once a month, seeing who's up, who's down in the NBA world. We're finishing with hot take, worst take, hot take, worst take. I don't know what's going on. We're filming on a Monday. Normally do this Tuesday morning. Might be a little bit of a loopy episode today. Let's get into Foul Trouble. Wow, what's what's going on, my man? How you doing? Good. You know, I just did four hours of uh, soccer shenanigans for my brother's YouTube channel, so I'm a little amped up. I'm ready to go. <laughs> there we go. I I want you in in the mood of just like a a worldwide um, soccer phenomenon. So like th- <laughs> that's just perfect. Okay, so today we're going into just like. Three things around the NBA that kind of has caught Pe- our attention, piqued our interest. Um, do you want to go go first and and just start us off with our our first thing? Just jump into it right away. Okay, so mine's a weird one. So over the course of the NBA season, I think a lot of the times you talk about you know if this player shoots fifteen percent higher from three or this happens, maybe that over the course of a season that's 0.5 more points per game, right? And so I felt like this year has been a weird year between. The refs and the players. It feels like there's more technical fouls than normal. So I kind of wanted to do a giant deep dive into the NBA versus the refs, technical fouls at large. What do technical fouls mean? Do they actually impact the outcomes of games? I, I love this. Well, um, where, where did this thought come from? I don't know. I just kind of know all the ejections. Um, so just off rip, um, this is really more from a team perspective, but I figured I'd throw out, Patrick, who do you think the three league leaders in technical fouls are? They're all tied with seven right now. Ooh, okay. So Warriors, got to go with Warriors it being one of those three. Um, I'm doing players right now. Oh, players. Okay. Draymond Green. Not one of the leaders in tags no. because he's almost getting ejected every time he's getting attacked. Uh, uh, Crazy uh. enough. Um, is Luka Doncic on this list? Luka is. Luka Doncic. One um, of the three. Nikola Jokic? No. Is he in there? No. Second okay. in ejections, though. Okay, there we go. Ooh. Um, our, our old friend Dylan Brooks. Yes, tied with Luca. Awesome. We'll be talking about him later in my portfolio section. Okay, so we got Luca, we got Dylan Brooks, and then one more. Can can you give me a hint? Yeah, he's often compared to Luca. He is often aggressively compared to Luca. Compared to Luca. Aggressively compared to Luca. Oh my gosh, who Devin Booker? No, no, no. Um It's another heliocentric player. Trey Young? Yes. Oh, wow. They all I did have not... seven. But my deep dive is more about teams because I was really curious. I was like, are, you know, do technical fouls matter, right? Because, you know, theoretically, you're just giving up a free throw. So are you ready? The average free throw percentage for the NBA this entire season is 78.6%. So if you give up a tech, odds are you've given up a point. Duh. Yeah. Um, but Patrick. The top 10 teams in winning percentage, the Boston Celtics, the Timberwolves, the Bucks, the Sixers, the Thunder, the Mavericks, the Magic, the Nuggets, the Kings, and the Clippers. Six of them are top 10 in technical fouls. Wow. The best teams commit technical fouls at a significantly higher rate than the worst teams. So the Celtics are number one in techs. They're number one in winning percentage. The Milwaukee Bucks are third in winning percentage. They are second in technical fouls. Sixers are fourth in winning percentage, 26 in technical fouls. So you're probably like, what about the number two team? Timberwolves. They're 16th in technical fouls, so they're still in the bottom half. There's only one team in the top 10 that doesn't commit any technical fouls. Or actually, they've committed the fewest. Who do you think it is of the top 10 teams? One team in the top 10. Um, oh, geez. I got to like, pull this So I'll this go to the teams. It's yeah. the Celtics. The Timberwolves, the Bucks, the Sixers, the Thunder, the Mavericks, the Magic, the Nuggets, the Kings, and the Clippers. Is it is it the Nuggets? No. So the Nuggets are eight. They are they commit their 18th in technical fouls. Okay. I would imagine that it would be one of the teams that leans a little bit more offense than than defense. Who is it? It's the Thunder. They're last in technical fouls. Okay. Okay. So, the reason I'm doing this, because so, I was just curious, like, do technical fouls matter was my big thing. And what I'm learning is good teams commit a lot more technical fouls. Seems like technical fouls might be a barometer for caring. Yeah, we, that's what I was going to yeah. say. It kind of makes sense. Like, not only do you get more technical fouls if, like, the games are closer, they're more intense, but also if the other team cares a lot more. Yeah, so this take is we're going a little deeper. So 
based off the NBA's average free throw percentage, the Boston Celtics are allowing 0.6 three points per game on technical fouls. So they've committed a technical foul in 80% of their games. <laughs> um, for perspective, the difference between last place and first place, the Thunder are allowing about 0.16 points per game on techs. So for the Thunder, they're not giving up any, you know, Free points. Celtics I, are giving up almost an entire free point a game. I wonder if it also skews more towards the older teams. Yeah. Because it's like, if you're an older team, you've got more history in the league. Maybe there's more bad blood there. That's that's a super, super interesting deep dive that you did. So there's one more part to the deep dive. Because I was really, I just wanted to answer the question, do technicals affect the outcomes of games? So I looked at all of the Celtics games, because they've led the league in technicals, that have been within three points, win or lose. Uh, they beat Milwaukee. Um, they committed a technical foul while they were up 10 with two minutes left in the game. So that 10 point lead dwindled to a three point lead over the course of that last two minutes started with that technical foul. So don't know if it mattered. They had one random technical versus Memphis in the third quarter that they won. These are all their close games. Two technicals versus the Raptors. The Raptors inexplicably had Scotty Barnes shoot the free throws. Uh, so he missed those. They won that game. Leader of the team, baby. Um, and then this is a really funny one. First game of the season, they had one technical versus the Sixers. Very close game. Tatum missed a, a technical free throw, and Tyrese Maxey missed a technical free throw. That's so... It, they do come, like, so, like, out of the flow of the game, game that I wonder... I mean, this would be a whole nother deep dive. If, what people's, like, technical free throw percentage right. is opposed to their just regular free throw percentage... Um, but yeah, I don't know if there's anything to monitor here. I just thought it would be fun to kind of do a deep dive into do text matter. And my, honestly, it seems like committing more text leads to more winning. So people so, got to get angry. Th so imagine if the thunder committed more as many texts as the Celtics, they'd be the they clear be leader. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Patrick, what's your first fascination this year? Okay. My first fascination, it really hit me on Friday. Woj sent through two absolute Woj bombs that I think leveled the entire city of Cleveland. One being that Evan Mobley was going through is going to undergo arthroscopic knee surgery on his left knee and is going to miss six to eight weeks. And then like minutes later, Darius Garland suffered a jaw fracture in the Ugh. game against the Celtics and is also going to miss several weeks. This has been, I feel like I've always thought of this season as for the Cavs as a very like sliding doors opportunity for them because Donovan, it's all, all based around Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell's got three years, including this season, left on his contract. And that last season is a um, player option. So really it's like, if you're going to do it with Donovan Mitchell, all signs point to this year being the most important year. Like you were one round and out in the playoffs last year. And now this year going through the trade deadline, most likely you are going to be without your second and third most important players. So everybody get ready. I've got some fake trades for us. First off, like how do you feel about this situation? Do you feel like the Cavs have to kind of make a move now to give whatever team they might trade Donovan Mitchell to two playoff runs with Donovan Mitchell? Or if you were the Cavs, would you s stick through it and, and see if maybe you can get lightning in a bottle? Well, that is tough because, you know, Cleveland is slightly, slightly trending up, like not, not a lot. I kind of thought they were going to rise up a lot more. Um, yeah, 14 and 12 in the Eastern Conference right now. They're the eighth seed, um, 21st offensive rating, and the 10th defensive rating, which isn't bad, but I would imagine that's going to drop without Evan Mobley. Yeah, I mean, the East is tough. I, I feel like as the NBA world, as a consensus right now, is kind of low on Mitchell. I'm still very, very high on Mitchell. I still think he's an elite scorer. I think he's proven he can be really good in playoff series before. I know last year was like the dud year, but honestly, like, He's had a lot more studs than duds in the playoffs his you know, entire NBA career. So I'm still a big believer in Mitchell. But, yeah, I mean, if you can get a huge package for him, I think you got to do it. Absolutely. And so that's kind of like where my thought process is right now. When I was looking for Mitchell trades, I'm thinking, like, it's got to be a franchise that has winning pieces to send to the Cavs. Because even if you move on from Mitchell, you still have Garland. You still have Mobley. You, you've just signed Max Struess to a long-term deal. You are built 
to win. So the first place I went was New York. That's always been the team for Mitchell. Um, but I went to Brooklyn. So how would you feel about a Cameron Johnson, Royce O'Neal, and Picks package for which would be like the 27 Philadelphia pick? They have their own tw- 2028 pick that they can put protections on and whatnot. And then they've got all the Suns picks. How do you feel about a package there? I think in a world where Woj is it Woj is also reporting that Larry Markinen might fetch like a Gobert type package. I personally think Mitchell's a better player than Lowry. So if I'm the Cavs, I need more than that. Okay. Okay. So how many? So like five first round picks? The Gobert trade has completely warped what superstar value is. And I think we're in this weird segment of NBA history where I think every team is like, well, compared to the Gobert trade. And then like all the other teams are like, the Gobert trade was like a fluke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he got as much as like Kevin Durant did. So I don't know. It's like okay, well, it's really hard to assess value in that way. If you need picks, I've got picks for you. Yeah, we're just going down to New Orleans. CJ McCollum and right, I have written in four first round picks, and that's a mix of like the Milwaukee picks, the um, Lakers picks, and then their own picks. They actually have the swap rights for the Bucks. The Lakers' first-round pick and their own first-round pick all for this season. So it really could be like a huge influx of young talent from the Cavs. And from the Pelicans' perspective, it's like you already have too many guys. And then so those picks and then C.J. McCollum for Donovan Mitchell. How do you feel about something like that? It's kind of tough because I feel like with a lot of these trades, if you're Cleveland, you're kind of hitting the pause button on like your progress because you're not really getting – worse but you're definitely limiting your playoff ceiling by getting rid of Mitchell because I think like Mitchell does give them that offensive punch that they really do need in the playoffs so I don't know if you were Cleveland right now with the situation with Garland with Mobley what direction would you want to take the team would you kind of want to just be like all right you know what let's let for them to get healthy and make a play and push or are you kind of like maybe we should try to tank it out this year everything that I've heard gives me the impression that I mean Donovan Mitchell had the opportunity to sign an extension last offseason and he did not and for me I'm looking at it and I really think that there is such a like difference in value of having Donovan Mitchell for two playoff runs and Donovan Mitchell for one One. playoff run. Yeah, that's very true. So really, like, it would hurt, but Cleveland has so much young talent and it really just does not fit the way it's configured right now. So for me, especially with the injuries, I I would make a move. Um but it is tough. It's like it's tough because I think Mitchell, you're always giving the best player in the deal. Yeah, it's tough. Mitchell's really good. I think yeah. like it's one of those things where you kind of forget just how he was awesome all last year, you know. And him, I feel like him and Garland are a good fit on offense, maybe not on defense. Yeah. But yeah, okay. So, but definitely something to monitor. Last one. Who says no? Heat, Cavs, Tyler Hero, and Caleb Martin for Donovan Mitchell. Who the, hangs up the phone first? I think the Cavs do, unless the Heat can come up with some pick package. Yeah, I mean, they have a couple first-round picks that they could throw in, but I realistically, I think Tyler Hero would probably be the best um, player that they could get in a Donovan Mitchell deal hey, to, in this offseason. To your credit, man, Timberwolves have, what, the second-best winning percentage in the NBA? Mm-hmm. Right now, Tyler Hero, first game back. Heat up 13 in the second quarter. There we go. Well, let's just check something, man. I know, I know Hero was cooking in the first quarter. Oh, he's got ten points. All right, ten points in ten minutes. He's pulling the Embiid. All right, if he if he gets uh, if he gets thirty, yeah. he's on his, <laughs> he's way, on to his way to Cleveland. <laughs> All right, what's your what's your second thing? All right, uh, speaking of ten points in ten minutes, Patrick, this guy has played seven hundred and forty six minutes. We're not talking about hero anymore. He has seven hundred and fifty two points. Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid has more points than minutes this season. He's averaging one point oh one points per minute. He's averaging thirty four point two points per game. So, this is crazy. Joel Embiid is the all-time leader in points per minute, which is the weird, fun stat that Embiid heads like me like to pair it. So, this is what's crazy. Patrick, number two is Luka Doncic. He's at 0.81 points per minute. Embiid's at 0.86. Michael Jordan's third at 0.79 points per minute. Joel Embiid would need to go scoreless in his next 900 minutes to fall to number two. 
Okay. Okay. He was already my second in MVP, uh, way too early MVP a couple weeks ago, and he has not fallen down. What more do you want from me, James? He's amazing. I just, I'm just in awe. I'm just going through it. So since the merger in 1976, Embiid has three of the five highest points per game for a center. He had 30.6 two years ago, 33.1 last year, 34.2 this year. He is the league leader in usage rate, so I did want to you know preface that. But it's at 37.4, which is 11th all time. This isn't even some season where Embiid is like, you know, he's, this isn't like Westbrook 2016. Um, so the all-time record for points per minute is 1.04 by Wilt pre-merger. I know, honestly, I kind of was doing more Embiid stat. He actually passed Jokic in PER. Um, Embiid's like in the 92 percentile now for assists for his position. Like, I think, I know a couple weeks ago we said no one's touching Jokic for MVP. I think, I think Embiid's the favorite right now. Um, I mean, I, I would just not even playing in the fourth quarter anymore. They're the Sixers are just beating teams so bad. Embiid literally isn't like, and they did this versus the Suns too. He didn't even play versus the Suns. Yeah, I hate. My general like thing that I look at for MVP when things get really close is who's got the better record. And right now, it really looks like the Sixers are going to run away with that. Yeah. And I mean, that's going to be hard for a lot of people to look away from. So it'll be interesting once the Nuggets really get back into their groove. Because I think losing Murray and then getting back Murray was it, it really seemed to like shake their foundation a little bit. But, um, I mean, Embiid has such a great case to be a back-to-back MVP winner. Yeah, I'm just, I don't know if, like, I, I hate to do, like, arbitrary, like, it's kind of like when Westbrook was MVP, people were like, if he averages a triple, he's the MVP. I don't want to be that guy, but if Embiid finishes the season averaging more points than minutes and the Sixers keep winning, like, it doesn't come at the cost of winning, like... Am I crazy? Is that like auto MVP? <laughs> like if you are going to set the record for most points to minutes ratio and you're not even doing it as a chucker, like, I don't know, man, that is just insane. It's funny because if for me, that seems like more of an automatic MVP than the a triple, triple double. double season. Yeah, because the whole point of the sport is to put the ball in the hoop as many, as many times, times as you can. can. <laughs> also, Embiid is literally one of the best defensive players in the NBA by like defensive rating by literally any metric. He is one of the best defensive players and he's doing this on offense. Like, I don't know. It's crazy. Cause I feel like Jokic has just hit this level offensively where it's like, we might be watching the best offensive player at all time, but we also might be watching like the best scoring player just in terms of regular season scoring of all time as well. Yeah, absolutely. I the, mean, the NBA is in such a good spot, man. Like Luka Doncic <laughs> is number two all time, and like it's crazy how distant he is from Embiid in that list. The fun thing is, there's just like so many like dream finals matchups on the table right now. Yeah, that, like uh, I can't wait to get into 2024. It's just gonna get even more fun. I know. Yeah, my number two, just drooling over Embiid. I just 1.04 points per minute by Wilt Chamberlain. Like. I don't think Embiid can catch that. That's going to be really hard to catch. But if he were to catch that Wilt stat or pass it, like that's just give him like three MVPs. Just be like, look, we're not even competing for the twenty-five MVP. It's it's been locked up. Yeah, I mean, the cool (laughs) thing about stats like that is like once you start coupling it with postseason success, which Embiid doesn't have, that's when you can just start flying up all-time rankings. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I view Embiid because I feel like a lot of people have scoffed at like. Embiid over Ewing or Embiid over like a Dwight Howard, but like Dwight Howard hasn't had an MVP. Yeah, yeah. Like I know he has the depoys, but like I don't know, man. Like I feel like like if you were to take Embiid and throw him in the nineties, like I maybe I'm crazy. I think he'd be better than David Robinson. I think it's definitely Elijah in Wan, the like, conversation. Elijahwan like has that black hole in him. Like if he played in today's era, I kind of feel like he'd have a lot of the same turnover issues that Embiid's had early in his career too. Like, I don't know. To play devil's advocate, I think if you put a lot of those guys, especially like Robinson and Elijah Wan in today's NBA, their stat profile gets absolutely Crazy. absurd as well. Yeah. But um, yeah. No, I Hakeem mean, would be so awesome defending the pick and roll in today's NBA. Like he'd be a better defensive player than Embiid and Embiid's an amazing defender, obviously. But I don't know. It's one of those things because back then they had the illegal defense rule, which is why it's kind of really annoying when people compare like post-up centers nowadays. It's like, well, back then it was either a hard double because you couldn't half double like they do now. And it's like, that's how everyone plays in beat. Yeah. And that's why, like, at the end of the day, I do think like postseason success is just everything. So, so important because at the end of the day, 
did you win the biggest game? Yeah, did it matter against the best teams? Exactly. For sure. What is your number two? Okay. Oh, this is gonna hurt. I um I need to out the Suns. Oh no. I need to out the Suns because flat out the Phoenix Suns, and, and I'm not saying this to say that they shouldn't be considered a contender still because I, I do think that they should be and this season has been pretty much worst case scenario from their perspective but the Suns have been hands down the worst team in clutch time and in the fourth quarter in the NBA this season and it's not even close when when, when you look at the stats first of all I was really surprised the only team that was tied for them with last place in the fourth quarter plus minus can you guess who it was? I think it's like the Hornets or something. Miami Heat. <laughs> Let's go. I know. <laughs> Those are our boys. Pat. Yeah, Heat, I know. That's us. So minus 3.3 in fourth quarters, which is just like inexcusable. But like the Suns basically like, especially in the clutch, their offensive rating just drops off a cliff. In, in the clutch right now, they have a 98 offensive rating, which is just inexcusable. They have the worst. Um, they have the worst net rating. They have the worst assist to turnover ratio, and they have the second highest turnover percentage in the league in the fourth quarter. Which it really just comes down to they're not getting into their offense. And coming into this season, everything was built for the Suns that like. They're going to have two head coaches. They're going to have Frank Vogel, who's doing all the defensive stuff and just being this like championship pedigree coach. And then they're going to have Kevin Young, this guy who is in the mix for all of these head coaching jobs. And he's this offensive genius and he knows Devin Booker. And you know what? All of that has just fallen completely flat because you know what? They've had an incredible amount of injuries, not only like everyone knows about the high profile injuries they've had, but interspersed in between book KD Beal being out. They've also missed Grayson Allen for a number of games. They've missed um, Eric Gordon for another number of games, but the fact that they just can't even get into their sets without, with, without just struggles is extremely concerning to me. They have, Two players, here's why I'm optimistic, though. They have two players that are positive in the clutch thus far. It's Devin Booker, plus one, and Yusuf Nurkic, who's a plus 0.3. Very, very, like, very close to being negative, but they're right there. And the reason why, if I could choose nearly anyone for, like, a hopefulness perspective to be positive in the clutch... It's those two because when Devin Booker and Yusuf Nurkic are on the court, unlike any other player on the Suns roster right now, they have very clear roles. Devin, you're the point guard. Yusuf, you're the center. Like, we're not switching up anything. When you guys are on the court, that's what you're doing. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is a minus 1.1 in the clutch this year, which is not great. And they have an incredible amount of clutch minutes. But he is shooting 35, 25, 89. Yeah, I think that's just the thing with Durant. And it's been the weird thing with him this entire last kind of four or five years since he went to Brooklyn is like these gaudy mid-range shooting numbers. Like, it's like, wait, Kevin Durant shooting 57% from 18 feet? Like, how the hell is that possible? And you're watching, you know, Suns game, second quarter, or Brooklyn Nets game, second quarter, first quarter, third quarter, and Durant's just hitting these like contested, tough mid-range shots. But it's just like... It's one of those things where those shots are really hard to live by and they're really easy to die by, especially like if you're not feeling it in any given moment. When when it gets tighter at the end of games and and the shots get harder, the the shots have just not been falling for them. Another reason why I'm a little bit optimistic is fourth quarter is like that's game time. And in for pretty much every team for most of the fourth quarter you're playing, you're playing your main guys, and they're getting a good an amount of, of minutes together. They're getting a good amount of reps together. The Suns have only two five-man lineups that have played together in the fourth quarter 
that have played more than five games together <laughs> at all, which is like a disaster. And it's really hard to like find any kind of cohesion when something like that is going on as well. So, I mean, something to just keep track of. Um, it's very concerning, but I think the, the noise also spells itself out and just what's going on in Phoenix. Yeah. I mean, it's just a lot of inconsistency with injuries. Just, yeah. I mean, it just, it does seem like at the end of the games though, like they're just relying on tough shots. Absolutely. Well, and their pace grinds to a halt. This, this Phoenix Suns team, I really believe is like made to run. And even when they're even not in the fourth quarter, they're not running at all. They're, slowing it down playing this like methodical half court not super isolation they're not in like the top percent of isolation in the league but just like finding really tough shots so and of course this is one of the rosters with the most turnover in the nba so that coupled with the injuries is going to make it even harder but if you're frank vogel you got to figure something out you know or he's going to be out yeah I did have a fun, uh, actually forgot, relating to the techs. Oh. Going to go in a little time machine. This Boston Celtics team has the most technical fouls per game since the what year Phoenix Suns. Oh. <laughs> Jeez. I mean. It's a random bad it, Suns year. It, oh, it's just a random bad Suns year. I'm going to go with. 2016 2017 phoenix 2017. suns averaged almost an entire technical foul per game it's the highest i found in the last like six i was years. thinking like it's got to be one of those like pj tucker markeith yeah. morris years um okay what is your next okay i know I'm, this is the jidel broken record podcast but i'm doing it one more time because it just it it angers me to no end wemby Third in block percentage, 92nd percentile in steal percentage. The Spurs are 10 points better per 100 with him out there. I feel like he's kind of reclosed the gap or overtaken Chet in the rookie of the year race. Just like, this guy's amazing, man. So they've started they've started starting him without Zach Collins. So effectively, Wemby is the center. Uh, and it's been like marginal stat increases, like half a point better. Field goal percentage is better. Three-point percentage is a little bit better. I think that's just kind of random noise. But like, here's the thing, Patrick. When Wemby is on the court and Jeremy Sohan is off the court, just any Wemby on, Sohan off, the Spurs have a 110 offense, a 112 defense. That's just a mediocre team. They're yeah. a mediocre, okay team. This is a team that has, what, three, four wins in four reality? Wins. Four yeah. wins. But when they just play the lineups that make sense, they function much more like a 500 team. They function much more like a like 12 and 12 team. Than a foreign 100 team. When Sohan is on the court with Wemby, Patrick, their offensive rating is 102. That's eight points worse. And their defensive rating goes down to 117. That's five points worse. They're negative 15 with the Wemby Sohan lineups, and they're only minus two with the no Sohan lineups. Sohan takes the Spurs from a mediocre team to a historically bad team. This guy is a sub NBA level player, and he needs to stop playing point guard. Yeah. It's yeah. not even lineups where he's playing point guard. It's all Sohan lineups are just like horrible. Just they're bad. At what point is Greg Popovich not a good coach? It's by design, man. Losing record it's... since the Kawhi trade. Forgot about this. Ooh. Seventh place with Team USA in a World Cup. Seventh with the most stacked roster in the tournament. At what point is this man geriatric? I, I, I want to know. Are I, you trying to play entertain? It's an entertainment product. That's why we watch basketball. You are playing purposely unentertaining, unfun. You're ruining one of the best, what could be one of the best rookie seasons we've ever seen. I, I hate it. I, 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 I don't know, man. I don't. The 2014 Spurs, one of the best teams I've ever seen in my life. Explain this to me, bro. I, I, I can't explain anything other than. They're losing on purpose. They are just they're for losing who? on purpose. Who is this draft prospect there? Hey, this is for? this is classic Spurs though. They see it's going to be some foreign guy that nobody else has like um, seen and profiled. But I I don't know, man. Like we've been going through this like Bill Belichick. Is, is he out? Is, is he, he done? Washed, yeah. Is he washed? And like every every coach has their day, but. 
at the end of the day, I truly just think he has orders from R.C. Buford and the rest of the Spurs brass saying like, hey, let's just let's not put them in a place where they can win games. See, like I've thought about this because I like the whole thing was like Greg Popovich knows what he's doing. He's good at developing players and the Spurs are very good at developing players. So clearly there's something I'm missing. But I was trying to think about like, OK, what other players similar to Sohan? have been like ran at point guard for like stretches as a, as a means to develop them. The only one I could think of was Giannis. They did this with Giannis mm-hmm. when Jason Kidd was the coach back in like 2015, 2016, they ran point Giannis. The difference between point Giannis and point Sohan is Giannis is a freak athlete who like the moment the center passes him the ball after a defensive miss, like that's a battering ram headed down the court at full speed. Jeremy Sohan doesn't even have like elite NBA athleticism. He doesn't have any sort of like physical profile that really threatens the rim. He can't shoot. Like, I don't know, man. Yeah, but he's also, also, he is a legitimately terrible passer. Even if there isn't a guy in the draft that is like him, even if there isn't a Victor Wimbanyama in the draft, by tanking, you still create a very, very like intriguing asset. So maybe the move is they get this top three, top five pick, and then they flip it. Because that's that's exactly what we saw with Luca was the second that they knew that Luca was the guy that everyone thought that he might be, they cashed in all their chips and they went for Chris Porzingis, which obviously that didn't work out well. But if imagine if they got this year's Chris Porzingis or just like any other young star that was on the market. So I I don't know. It's so hard to say, but it is frustrating. It's just to me, it doesn't seem. It just seems weird to prioritize the de- the development of a side player than the main star. Is I think I think that's where my frustration. But isn't lies. it the development of the roster over the development of their star? But like, how many guys outside of a cell are going to be on the team in three years? I don't think I honestly think yeah, there's probably only two not. guys. I think it's just those two. I think those are the only two players who are still going to be on the roster. I mean, that's just how the NBA works. Exactly. Too. That's yeah. the, that's why I'm kind of just like, why aren't? But that's the other thing too is it's it's hurting Vassell as well. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I, they're they're trying to me. weigh down the contracts that they have to pay everybody else. I don't know. It's been bugging me all year. I was like, you know what? Maybe the stats of normal. Nope. They're they're getting worse. Hey, they they broke the losing streak. Though. They broke the losing streak. They beat the Lakers with LeBron. LeBron playing. Yes. No AD though. No AD. No AD. No AD. What is your third thing, Patrick? My third thing is just Kawhi Leonard is awesome, and yes. Kawhi Leonard is back, and it's very very exciting. And I think this ver. Okay, let me back it up a little bit. Did you watch any of that um, Warriors Clippers game from I want to say like last Thursday? Just some things here and there, nothing. Not down the stretch, it made my heart flutter a little bit because, I mean, over the last let's say two years, we've seen flashes of peak Kawhi with him guarding Kevin Durant in the playoffs and just like really huge scoring outbursts here and there, but. Watching the end of that Warriors Spurs game or Warriors Spurs Warriors Clippers game mate reminded me of why Kawhi was so special because he was shadowing Steph Curry wherever he went and he completely took him out of the game. What other six eight wing that is in his latter years has the ability to do that? And I'll answer that for you. No one. Yeah, and also put up whatever amount of points he's putting in. Yeah, so that's that's the other thing. So Kawhi is not going to put himself in the MVP conversation. He's averaging 24 points a game. He's averaging like almost six rebounds, almost four assists. Those maybe in the early 2000s, those are MVP numbers. But now that's just really, really good player numbers. But... From an efficiency standpoint, Kawhi is near career highs across the board. He's shooting 44% from three, which is really close to his career high. And then he's shooting a career high 58% effective field goal percentage, which is awesome. But what I love about it is he is, this is the lowest usage rate that he's had in years. The the load is off of his back. This is... um, his career low turnover percentage. So he is just like 
classic Kawhi Borg, like making no mistakes, hitting everything. And the Clippers are turning into one of the best teams in the league. Over the last 16 games, they're like 13 and three. And that's since our, you're welcome Clippers. That's since our, are the Clippers done pod. Yeah. Um, but he's been such a great fit with Harden. He just makes Harden make sense. He's always been a really great fit with PG, but we just hadn't seen it on the court. Um, I don't know. I'm talking so much. W- w- do you have any thoughts about the Clippers? I, you know, the Clippers are related to my best take. So okay. I was going to save it uh, for that. But yeah, no, the Clippers have been really, really awesome. Um, they're 8-2 and two in their last 10. I'm not sure if the 13-3 in the last 16. I'm or, sure that's right. But I know 8-2 and two in their last 10. I, I, I might have. They're all the way up to, like, what, fifth in the West right now? Fifth or fourth in the West right now? They're, they're there. I the, mean. They could easily, if they keep playing at this pace, over the last 15 games, they are tied for the best record in the NBA with the T-Wolves, the Bucks, the Celtics. Those are all the best teams in the league. They're fourth in net rating. Like this team are they are they a contender for you now? I still don't think they're a contender. What? Why? Because the health. Okay. I know Kawhi's been playing every game, but I know PG's out. Not nothing too serious, but I don't know. I still think like I just I don't know, man. It's it's the same thing for me like I don't. I think we did our top ten players as like a test pod way back, and you had Kawhi like you know in your top ten, and I didn't rank him because of health. And my, I'm just worried about the health thing, and I'm also worried about like what Westbrook looks like in a playoff setting. Yeah, and I've just. But that's the great thing. You, they don't even have to play Westbrook. The, He's playing like twelve they, minutes a they game. Don't, but the other thing too is, I kind of need to see Harden in the playoffs. Okay, too. I hear you on that. that I hear that's you where on I'm that. at. Is like if you guaranteed me that Leonard stays healthy and George stays healthy, they're a contender. But without that guarantee and just knowing that, like, I don't know, man. I just – Harden is just – it's too many years in a row of just, like, come on, man. Like, what? Yeah. I what's mean – What's going on? But right now they're all healthy. Um, We've never seen Harden as a three before, and I love it. Like, he's really giving a shit on defense. Yeah, he had, like, a four-block really game the other before. day. Um, and, and then he's – once again, like we saw in the early stint with Philadelphia, he is embracing the point guard, point god role where he's just doling out assists. Nobody can run an offense like James Harden. Um, or he's a system. Very few. He's a system. He's yeah, the system. I, I, I'm with you, man. It's just, I don't know. I just like, I'm closing my eyes, Patrick. It's, it's May. Kawhi Leonard just dropped like 34 points. And the Clippers beat the Mavericks in Game Seven for a second time. Thank you for saying Mavericks it's, and not it's, Suns. It's Game, it's Game One of the semifinals, and it's the Nuggets. And Kawhi Leonard is out for who knows why reason for the next <laughs> twenty games. <laughs> Just I don't know, man. Yeah. I feel like that's been the Clippers the last three years. Is like they look really good the first game of the playoffs. Kawhi looks great. Luka drops 50 on them, and then all of a sudden Kawhi's out. That's kind of like the story. I hate to like dumb down analysis to like I just don't believe it, and I don't wish ill will on any of these guys. Kawhi's so fun to watch when he's cooking. Like mm-hmm. one of the most fun players. Like absolutely just demolish the Mavericks after Luka stole the, yeah, the he, limelight. He is but, cooking the Pacers right now. He sh- yeah he made like his first ten shots. Yeah, I don't know. It just Harden. I need to see it. I just I need to see it. Hey, I I can't fault you at that. It's been a long time. 2019 was a long time ago. It was five years ago. Yeah. Um, okay. Do you have one more? Or no, we've was, done them. I we've done them all. Tex, Embiid, Wemby. You had the Suns fourth quarter. You had the Clippers, and you had some Donovan Mitchell trades. Some Donovan Mitchell trades. All right. So let's get to our stocks. Let's get to our stocks. So once a month, Patrick and I update our stock portfolios. We are buying NBA players as stocks, and their share price is their PER for the season. Um, so Patrick, at the end of last stock, you had roughly $600. Yeah. Um, 574. I was doing pretty good. So you were up $74. Patrick and I started with a $500 budget. Um, Patrick, I'm really excited to talk about my stocks. Well, let's have the person whose portfolio is worth less go first. What is your portfolio worth right now? Um, my portfolio is worth 594 right now. Patrick, you're going to be going first. Oh no. Yes, Patrick. I raised my portfolio value from 501 to 598. Wow. <laughs> okay, that's that's what what doubling down is all about. Oh, wow. Okay, well, I 
am very happy to go first. I'm happy to hear that you've made up some of our imaginary Ground, player bucks. Yeah. Um, all right. So basically, I have I, I've always had eight people in my um, portfolio. Last time we did this, I bought some Andrew Wiggins stock because oh, Andrew that's... Wiggins stocks <laughs> oh, no. were at an all-time low. He had a 6.1 PER. Has it only gotten worse? It's gotten better. No it's gotten way. better. <laughs> it's gotten marginally better. 6.1 would be the absolute, by far the worst PER in the league. Yeah. And so it ended up being a good purchase. I bought seven Andrew Wiggins stocks, and he is up to a 9.1 right now. So it was a good little flip. Turn that. Oh, that's a crazy I'll come up. 42 to 63.7. Um, other people that I had in the green, Keegan Murray, he was a complete neutral last time around. Now he went from 12.3 to 13.8. So I made a little bit of money there. <clears throat> Obi Toppin has been. Just had such an incredible season, and he had a margin, marginal come up, uh, just 0. .20, um, but, so that's up to 98. And then my last um, plus was uh, someone that we shared, Jabari Smith Jr. He's, he's just doing the Lord's work out there, up 0.8. So um, those are all my green guys, but then I have just as many people in the red one, my joke stock, Dylan Brooks. I was flying high. Dylan was at an all-time 13.4. He is back down to 9.8, but luckily I only have one <laughs> stock. Are in, you going to keep share. that share? Um, yeah, why not? I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to ride the wave, see, see how it goes. Um, Grant Williams, um, he is a very low PR guy, but he's – Ended last year extremely low, um, and he unfortunately has fallen from 11.4 to 8.9. So it took a little bit of a hit there. Um, Scotty Barnes, my guy, overall in the season, he's been a huge plus, but he went from 22.3 to 21.3. Mm. So a little bit of a loss, but overall I'm still in the green on him. But <clears throat> my one guy that I have decided to move off completely. The hometown kid, not really, he's not from Phoenix, but Josh Akogi. I, I really thought that Josh Akogi would be able to capitalize on the continuity with Devin Booker and KD and also be able to thrive off the gravity of Brad, Bradley Beal. Obviously, that has not happened Josh Akogi has fallen completely out of the Suns' rotation for the most part. He's hurt a little bit right now. So um, Josh has fell from a 12.8 to a 12.1, and I am selling all three shares of my Josh Akogi stock. And um, should I tell you who I'm buying, or yep. do you want to go first? Tell me everyone you're buying. <clears throat> and then, so I am purchasing the league's lowest price Quentin Grimes, starting two guard of the Knicks. He's at a 7.2 um, PER right now. I'm buying five shares of Quentin okay. Grimes. Um, and that's 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 it. I, I He's at a by far career low. I think I can bounce back some Quentin Grimes stock. All right. I had a, I had a great come up. So, Patrick, I only had three people in my portfolio. I had Trey Young. I had Cade Cunningham. And I had Victor Wembanyama. There we go. So Trey Young, I had 12 shares of him at 18.9. He went up to 22.4. There we go. Cade Cunningham, I had 11 shares at 10.1. He went up to 13.3. Woo! Victor Wimanyama, I had 10 shares at 15.6. He went up to 18.3. Thank you, Jeremy Sohan. Yes, Victor. I love you, Victor. That's why I'm passionate about fighting for Victor. It's going to help my stock portfolio. There we go. All right. So uh, Trey Young and Cade were so down. That's why I doubled down on both of them. I sold all of my stairs of everyone else I had to buy more Trey, more Cade. And then I sh actually I sold everything and just rebought the Trey, Cade, and Victor. I'm selling my Trey and Cade. There you go. I don't think Cade's going to get higher than 13.3. Like, I don't know. The Pistons are an absolute mess. Uh, Trey Young, 22.4, is right in line with his career average where he's been like the last four seasons. Don't see him really going much higher than there. So, Patrick, I'm kind of done uh, trying to get huge gains. Okay. I'm, I'm going for stability. Love that. And Love uh, that. you might laugh at who my choice of stability was. 
So I'm selling all 12 and 11 shares of Trey and Cade. I'm buying 15 shares. Well, I'm going to tell you what my thought process was. I said, I want a stable player. I want a player who I just know is going to stay at his PER because I think if I can just stay around $600 stock portfolio, I'll win this season-long challenge. So I looked at Joel Embiid. Uh, Joel Embiid <laughs> I knew had, you were going to say. Didn't buy him, though. Oh, okay. He's okay. at a 34 PER. So for perspective, a 34 PER would like blow the doors off the best LeBron and best Michael Jordan seasons. So most likely that. So I was like, Joel's due for regression. Obviously, you know he's gotten the Jidel praise. He's going to go down. So I looked at the most stable man we know, Nikola Jokic. He's at a 32. Another season that would top any Jordan or LeBron season. And I said, let me look at another guy. I'm I've always been a fan of a guy Patrick's been a fan of. We're both going to root for his success. It's my guy Anthony Davis. Oh, there we go. About 15 shares of Anthony Davis at 25.7. Love this. So I invested almost $400 into Anthony Davis with the sole thing of, I think AD is going to get to like 26 PER. Yeah, that and makes I think sense. I just need stability. And I know Anthony Davis won't drop down. Um, basically, like last year, Davis was up to like a 27 PER after two years where his PER dipped down. But all of his like rebounding rates, scoring rates, basically all of his rate stats are in line with last year, which actually suggests to me that he'll creep back up to the mid-26s. Um, I'm keeping my 10 stocks as Victor because I think Victor can still climb higher. Victor's just really good. And I think eventually the Spurs are going to treat him with the respect he deserves. Um, So I had enough money. I had about $30 left. And so I bought one stock of Giannis Antetokounmpo. There we go. Um, you know, I felt like the last two seasons, I know some Giannis fans might disagree. It kind of it was that Jokic and B two-man race, and then there was always the like, why can't it be Giannis? Last year, I I don't know how you felt. I kind of felt like Giannis really wasn't up there with Embiid and Jokic. I feel the same way this year. But if Giannis is gonna do the annual, why can't it be Giannis? Part of that is going to be you gotta clear LeBron and Jordan to be in the discussion this year. If you can't top the GOATs. You're not in the 2023 MVP You got to go. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. got to go. So if Giannis wants to be up there with the big boys, um, which is funny because he's obviously accomplished more than those yeah. two guys, but I bought one share of him. Okay. I, I think that those are some awesome uh, <laughs> transactions that you made right there. And I feel like we should both be feeling pretty proud of we ourselves. Should, the fact that we're $4 separated is insane. That is pretty crazy. That is crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. I so don't. it's kind of weird because I feel like I've gone for stability, but I have a less diversified portfolio, which is the crazy thing. I know that you're bucking every rule of the stock market. I you're like, you're like, let me get all these value players, my Quentin Grimes. I'm like just, he's just due for positive regression, and I'm like, Anthony Davis is good at basketball. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go, Anthony Davis. All right, Patrick. Should we get to best take, worst take? Let's get to best take, worst take. Um, uh, as you guys know, every week we go over what we thought the best take was and the worst take was from the last week of NBA medium media and scuttlebutt. James, <clears throat> what is your best take for the week? My best take goes to a James Harden. Oh, I know him. Uh, pretty good player. Uh, he said, quote, I need a 10-game window to get comfortable with the Clippers. Uh, the Clippers were very bad during that 10-game window. But as we noted earlier, they're 8-2 and two since they're the 10-game window. So uh, he's averaging 18 points during that stretch and 8.6 assists. And, I mean, most of that, in my opinion, is Kawhi Leonard going kind of supernova. But you know what? Part of going supernova is getting comfortable, getting through the window. The window's passed. James Harden, I clowned him. So he deserves the best take. There we go. I love it. ASU legend. Go Devils. Love myself some James Harden. And I think a very, like, he just, to know oneself is one of the greatest things that uh, one can achieve in this world. Um, My best take is uh, going to Matt Ishbia, um, the owner of the Phoenix Suns, because, yeah, this was a decision that he made a couple months ago, but it just happened this last week. He decided to induct Sean Marion into the Suns Ring of Honor. For those of you that don't know, Sean Marion and the Suns' old owner, Robert Sarver, had a very um, bad relationship that ended with a um, Shaquille O'Neal trade to um, Arizona. And it, it just their relationship ne- was never repaired. And Sean Marion never, he's been retired for years and he never took his rightful place in the Suns' ring of honor. And this happened 
just last Friday uh, in during the Suns Knicks game. Sean Marion, two-time All NBA player, four-time All Star, a huge part of the Suns seven seconds or less team. Um, just really made my heart like skip a beat to see Sean Marion there with Amari Stoudemire and Steve Nash, one of the like proto like do it all wings. He could handle the ball. Amazing rebounder is like all over the Suns uh, all time leaderboards. So I just needed to shout out Matt Moneybags Ishbia. He he never grabs an L except for in the fourth quarter apparently. <laughs> um, all right, Patrick. So this was a crazy week. I had a really really hard time finding a worse take. I, I went up and down all my usual sources. I did a deep dive through the Skip Bayless page. He's really in football mode right now. Yeah. Side note, I think we talked about this. The weird in-season tournament now has created this weird lull. Like, if Giannis Ballgate didn't happen, like, I feel like the NBA would have been, like, this weird, like... I know. Oh, yeah, NBA no basketball one's talking about until it. Christmas. Um, all right, Patrick. So, this take didn't happen in the last week, but it's been enough time since it's been said that we can assess it. I'm giving the worst take of the week, even though it happened, like, a month ago and a half ago, to the Foul Trouble podcast. There we go. I almost gave us the um, worst take this and week. And the reason well. I had to, I couldn't find another worst take. But about a month and a half ago, Patrick, me and you said, who are the two teams we think are going to rise up the standings and who are the two teams we think are going to fall down the standings? Are you ready for the recap? I picked the Cavaliers to rise up the standings. The Cavaliers, I mean, they've won a couple more games, but they're still in that still like 8, 9, 10 area. You picked the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks have been pretty bad since then. Uh, my faller, I chose the Orlando Magic. The Magic – have still been one of the best teams. I mean, six and four in their last 10. That's that's pretty good. I, I'm going to take the L there. There's no taking a W there. You picked the Lakers as a faller, and since then they've won the in-season <laughs> tournament. Um, so I'm going to give us the worst take. I think that is definitely earned by us. Um, since then, we I think we've eaten crow on we, every single one, one of, of those, those four takes. teams. Yeah, I, it's so funny that you chose that because I was so close, close to choosing that. To choosing yeah, that we, exact we, same. If take. we're gonna dunk on other people, we gotta dunk on ourselves. Absolutely. Oh my god, I look so stupid saying the uh, at, the Atlanta Hawks should blow it up. Let me just oh, I'm, say I'm that there. right they now. They need to. Oh my gosh, that was such a rough take. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Be, don't beat yourself up. I feel like we've we've had a lot of W's. We have had Me a lot of W's. We've been pretty spot on a lot of things, but we got to cloud our losses. We can't just pretend we don't we don't take L's. Yeah, and I'm I'm in on the Lakers now. I'm I'm already on. You're back, <laughs> but um, for, I I can't like I'm desperately tell you in on why. the Lakers because Anthony Davis needs to play well, or my portfolio is going to tank and Patrick is going to crush me. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so um, my worst take of the week is more of like a very like ethereal like i'm just makes me sad um so i don't know if you saw the washington wizards announced that they will most likely be moving to northern virginia i did see that in yeah in um probably 2028 them and the capitals the hockey team yes all i think maybe also um what's their baseball team called uh nationals the nationals yeah, yeah. what a really just and the commanders such play a creative yeah, it's something like that. I think the commanders are actually across the D.C. border in Maryland already. But and I will say the Wizards at one time were over in Baltimore as well. But that's like on the same side of the P mm -hmm. Potomac River. And I just want to like show some shine on why it is so sad for D.C. not to have a professional basketball team. D.C. doesn't get enough like credit as being one of the great basketball cities in America and really in the world. This is the city that gave us Elgin Baylor. This is the city that gave us Kevin Durant. This is the city that gave us John Thompson, legendary coach. Um, they won a NBA championship. This is like one of the biggest like urban metros in the country. And it's just like the... It, it big e the big east was so like based in dc for so long and the fact that they will no longer have an nba team playing in the, in their borders in the on, on that side in the district their slogan for so long has been for the district what happened to for the district it just it makes me very sad and um i just it, a total l for Ted Leonsis and the whole monumental sports group 
Um, it, this is going to be so hard. <laughs> I can't stop laughing, Patrick, because <laughs> I can't stop laughing. I, 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 I'm not not laughing at your take, but just the way DC fans have been treated by their teams. Have, oh, did you totally. see the Commander Stadium literally like fell apart last year and rained <laughs> yes. literal feces on their fans? Well, okay, I, I'm not. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not a apologizing for football football can get out of the dc area you're out of our fantasy football league yeah what you are uh, i am i am about <laughs> yes um <laughs> patrick is literally his team name in the bucket squad fantasy football league is entertainment <laughs> until basketball i actually changed it to once the season started it was distraction from basketball, basketball. and we're we're about to take out all these football we're about fans to get patrick versus jesser in the final or patrick versus justin justin we'll see we'll see um but either way i'm taking you out I, I if any if I've showed anything <laughs> over this podcast, it's that I can break down some numbers, and that is all fantasy football is, people. Sorry, I did not mean to interrupt the take. It's just the 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 the, the poor DC sports fans. I just I couldn't get that image out of my head of just everything they've gone through on the. No, that it's side it's been things. a lot, and you know what? I tried to even support the the Washington Commanders by drafting Jahan Dotson. He did a whole <laughs> bunch of nothing for did me all see? season. Sorry, I, I hate to interrupt. You have all this, like, all these players, this coach that came from there. Jordan Poole flopped yesterday, which oh resulted in gosh. putting a bunch of sweat on the floor, and then he slipped on his own sweat. That was a – I. <laughs> that was against the Suns. So I definitely saw – but did you see the – okay, we're we're done with worst take, and now we're just talking about <laughs> Wait, Jordan sorry, I feel Poole. like I cut you off. Do you want to finish the – No, I, I said everything I need to say, and now I need to tell you about this meme that I saw. <laughs> Did you see Jordan? Okay, so it's the video of Jordan Poole like slipping on an invisible banana and just face planting in the ground. But somebody edited Draymond Green in <laughs> into the video and he looks like a force ghost and he just punches uh, Jordan Poole and he smacks on the ground. Whoever did that, amazing meme work. Dude, the front office is parting gift to the fans of DC. They're like, hey, it's your last season. Yeah. Support the Wizards. Here's Jordan Poole for 48 minutes. <laughs> Dear God. Jesus Christ. No, I, mean, I feel bad for DC fans. I checked out DC for the first time this year. I went a couple months ago. It's a beautiful city. A lot of great food. Um, I will say the Wizards Stadium is just kind of like there. Like I, I was like walking around, and then my friend's like, oh, there's the Wizards Stadium. I'm like, oh. I will say I did a, a, a little bit of research into it. It's not going to be like – that far for dc fans but like the fact of the matter is people that live in like urbanized dc like a lot of those people don't have cars a lot of those I, people they, they just they cannot pull a los angeles angels of anaheim exactly like bro exactly anaheim is separate from los angeles stop calling yourself the los angeles angels of anaheim it doesn't make sense uh yeah they're the DC Wizards of, of Virginia. Well, of Virginia. I will say, I think even Wizards fans would agree with this. A Wizards rebranding, a new team name, probably would be best for that franchise. Like, honestly, I feel like when I think of Wizards, I still think of those really ugly jerseys they used to wear during the Gilbert Arenas era. And well, I'm and like, they've had no success over the yeah, entire like just, time they've been named the Wizards. I feel like a fresh rebranding would be good for that franchise. Unfortunately, if it comes with a move. I will say... The the Wizards could completely win me back if they rename themselves um, the ABA name, the Virginia Squires. That would be so cool. Just the OG Dr. J team, Virginia Squires. I, that's all. That's all I have. Yeah, I'm not well versed in uh, Virginia culture. I know if they if they move back to Baltimore, they could be like the Baltimore Blue Crabs. Yeah, I mean Virginia has some like good basketball history. Like they. Um, What's Wasn't that one Virginia college, college team really good yeah, for a while? Yeah, Virginia. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the so fun fact about the Virginia Squires that was the ABA team that Dr. J was drafted to, but the and I think he was only on their team for one year, but that year he was on it with George Gervin, and they were both like twenty two, and they it was a terrible team. Yeah, so, I can imagine the two of them just trying yeah. to finger, outfinger roll each other over and over again. Very, uh, very sliding doors moment. Maybe if that team would have clicked, the ABA would have taken over the NBA, and we'd be talking about the Utah Stars to this day. All right, uh, yeah, I, we're getting a little loopy. You know, I will say now I'm like really excited for like if they do move. Sorry, DC, but like if they move to Virginia, 
if when. And me and you get to do our like top ten team name branding oh, episode. We're, I am we're always. Gonna, <laughs> that'll be the that'll be the first like. Let's have a couple glasses of like whiskey while we do yeah. the episode. We got to get really <laughs> creative with these Virginian yeah. team names. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thank you for watching the Foul Trouble podcast. We will see you guys on Friday. I it's it's Monday. I, it's Monday. My brain's it's broken. Monday. Happy birthday, Ashna. I love you. Peace.